Well, hello, everybody. Glad to have you with me. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark, coming to you from Ice Station, Louisiana, because damn if we didn't have a lot of ice this week. But hey, I'm not the only one. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating fact. It was a miserable week. But you know what? That's okay. We move on. We trudge forward. That's how things work, especially on this podcast. We keep going. Especially whenever things look kind of funky, because that's when it gets fun. So just a little setup. I was sitting in my truck the other day, and I was trying to find an address on my GPS. And for some reason, it wouldn't pull it up, which that wasn't the, the idea. But that got me thinking. And whenever I start thinking, that's usually something dangerous. So I started thinking, how exactly does this work? Because I have somewhat of an idea But I really didn't know what it was or the history of it or anything like that. And we use GPS a lot nowadays. You know, pretty much every new vehicle has a GPS system in it. If you don't, you have it standalone. If you don't even have that, you use your phone. So everybody uses GPS at some point. But where exactly did it start? Why does it work? How does it work? That's what I kind of wanted to go through today. And that's one of the things that I uh, I was actually very surprised all in all, how simple this system actually is. So we'll get to that in just a second. Don't forget, while you're poking around the interwebs, head on over to the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can check out all kinds of cool content up there. Uh, Should be finishing up, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks since I got some time off. A couple of the reviews that I'm planning on doing, which is the Oontz Angle 3 Bluetooth speaker. I can finally put that one to bed. Uh, I'm going to end up doing a six month review on the Pixel 4a since I've been daily driving it for a while. So I'm going to try to get that done. And also I have finally procured all the parts needed for my next build. So I'll be able to start working on a build guide for basically a homemade Google Nest hub kind of thing powered by a Raspberry Pi. So that's going to be pretty cool. Stay tuned for that. I will post, of course, everything on on the website once I get everything done. If you don't catch me on SoundCloud, don't forget I am pretty much just about everywhere that you can think of as far as podcasts go. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, and also Amazon Music. So you can catch all that. And so pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, you can find me. Also, while you're browsing the interwebs, you can check out the merch store and go pick up a t-shirt or a water bottle or there's a whole bunch of cool stuff up there. Everything that you buy off of there helps me out to do some of these build projects and different things like that. So anything you get off of there helps me out immensely. If once you get over there, check it out, pick something up if you like it and it will help me out. And I thank you in advance for that. So now we can get started with the fun stuff. And naturally, we're going to start at the beginning. Kind of like how they used to say at the beginning of the old Hollywood movies, you know, in the beginning, that kind of thing. So anyway, GPS, also known as the Global Positioning System, was started in 1973 by the Department of Defense. And basically, they wanted to try to overcome some of the limitations from previous navigation systems. And the first prototype satellites were launched in 1978. And it wasn't actually fully completed until 1993. 
Now, once they got all the satellites up, it still wasn't actually fully operational all the way up until 1995 when they had 24 satellites. That's your government at work. It took that long to launch that many satellites. But even though it was put in place, the main reason why it was put in place was for the United States military. Now, being that the military is global and the whole system was global, there was actually something that they called selective availability that they put in place so that only our military could use it or our allies could use it while it was you know, being built and up and working and everything. That idea of selective availability will come back in just a second. But way back, like I said, it started in 1973, first launched satellites in 78, fully operational in 1995. So this was a 25-year project that they were using for these things. And believe it or not, the first after they did the first few satellites, it, between 78 and 85, of course, technology advanced a lot in the 80s. So, so did the satellites. The new versions of the satellites that they launched, you know, starting in 1985, they renamed them to Navstar. And of course, they actually just stuck GPS on the end of it. And it was called the Navstar GPS. So all of the newer versions of those satellites were Navstar satellites. And of course, they've been updating and doing different things, you know, from since then to keep everything up to date and working properly. Like actually right now, it's not 24 satellites. It's actually 31. So there are more satellites now than they did whenever it was technically, quote unquote, fully operational. But again, the whole main focus of the GPS system was for military use. Now, in the mid 80s, they did decide, okay, you know, we can start letting the public use this, which is kind of when you started seeing some satellite based things and GPS devices come out into the public realm. But that signal was intentionally degraded by the military. So you could use it, but it wasn't very precise. Instead of the signal being accurate to within tens of feet or, you know, tens of meters, the signal itself was actually degraded to the point where it was hundreds of feet difference or, you know, hundreds of meters difference which depending on your location, that could make it pretty much useless. So what happened in the year 2000 was President Bill Clinton signed a directive to turn off that selective availability, which meant that the public was now going to be getting a signal from the GPS system that was not intentionally degraded. So the goal was to get the GPS system accurate to three and a half meters for public use, which by all intents and purposes, is actually very usable. So they went about doing that, and actually, by the time that actually went ahead and got finished, it was the mid-2000s, and accuracy actually went to within about two meters or about six feet. So not bad, all things considered. Now, the GPS system has actually been getting updates and using something called the L5 band, which is now fully deployed, and it was uh, released in 2018, these L5 band devices have a much higher accuracy and can pinpoint within 30 centimeters 
or within about one foot anywhere on the globe. So how exactly does all this work? Well, like I said, it is a satellite system and all those satellites are in mid-Earth orbit, which means they're between 1,200 and 2,200 miles above the surface. And these are not geosynchronous satellites. So these satellites do not stay in the exact same place as the, the planet turns. They actually spin and they go around, so they are constantly moving. So whenever you're using a GPS system, you may use probably 15 to 20 satellites at one time. It's just they hand off the signal, you know, two different things. But the whole kit and caboodle of how these things work is actually clocks. Very, very accurate atomic clocks is the, the basis of how all this works. I know I was as surprised as you are. If you do want to see a short video on kind of how these things work, I do have a link to an FAA.gov site on the show prep. You can check that. It's on the website right underneath the embedded player. You can check there uh, and go to the show prep for this episode. Look at that. There's a about a 30 second video just kind of showing how the satellites connect to a plane as it's flying overhead. It's just an animated video, but it, it actually kind of gives you an idea how it, it all works. And the cool thing is, this is actually, it actually has a name and it's called trilateration. So what happens is all 31 satellites all have a very accurate atomic clock built into them. And they're constantly sending signal down to the surface. Your GPS receiver will pick up on that signal and be able to interpret it. You've probably noticed that whenever you do get into your car and you start it up or you know you're, you just turn your GPS on, it takes about 30 seconds for it to be able to pick up a signal and find out where you are. That's because it takes multiple satellites to be able to find out where you are. It takes at least four. You need at least four. Most of the time there are more, but you need at least four to be able to figure out where you are in relation to everything else. Now, every time one of these GPS satellites sends a packet of data or a chunk of data, it has the timestamp from that atomic clock on it. So whenever your GPS receiver receives that, that packet or that, that information, it knows when that was sent from the satellite. So it's able to calculate how far the satellite is because the satellite knows where it is. Now, once your receiver gets that same information from another three satellites, it's able to take the time differences from the timestamps on the information sent from the satellite to the time that it received it. And when you triangulate between those four satellites, all three distances or all four distances, it's able to pinpoint you on a map. Now it doesn't just pinpoint where you are. It actually pinpoints your latitude, your longitude, your altitude, and the time. So it takes all of those into account whenever it's pinpointing you on a map. So great, now your receiver knows where you are. What can it do from there? Well, from there, once you start moving, all those different calculations can be made on the receiver to check your speed, 
your bearing, which is north, south, east, and west, your track, where you're going, your trip distance, distance to a destination, if that's where you have it, sunrise, sunset, you know, different things like that. So it can track a lot of different things once you get moving. But your receiver is actually kind of only a boundary holder. And I say that to mean that basically the maps that you download on your GPS receiver, whether it comes with your vehicle or if you have like a Garmin or a TomTom or something along that line, a standalone device, that it basically it uses maps of current roadways to define boundaries that you can travel on. And anything that you put in there as far as a destination or it, when it's tracking your speed, anything like that, that's what the boundary it's going to use. It's going to use the predefined roads that are on that map to block out your trip. So when you use a modern GPS device, it takes the position that you are currently in and then whenever you input a destination, it finds the shortest route or the shortest timed route, if depending on how you have your setup, because some are different, and going by the predetermined roads that are there, that are on the map, that's how it calculates how far and how long it will take you to get to your destination. Now, of course, I like to play the little game, and I'm sure you probably do too. Can I beat the GPS clock? Come on, you know you're guilty of it too. I'm not the only one. And the reason why we can do that is because whenever your trip data is calculated, it goes by these standard speed limits. Now, if you've ever driven, you've probably driven over the speed limit. Hell, if you're listening to this in the car right now, you're probably driving over the speed limit right now. So slow down a little bit, okay? I want y'all to be here for a long time. So just slow down a little bit. But because it uses the predetermined speed limits that you know each section of road has, and we normally don't drive that speed limit necessarily, that's how it calculates your time to your destination. Now your time to destination could be wildly off because you haven't updated your maps recently. Not only whenever you do updates on your GPS devices in, you know, whether it's in an in-dash unit or standalone unit or anything like that, the only ones that really don't need to do anything are your cell phones because those update usually automatically whenever you're doing, when you pull up the, the map and everything. So those really don't need to be updated really as often, but the other ones should be updated at least once a year, at least. And not only does it fix you know, put new roads in the maps and different things like that. It also updates the clocks and not just the time on the GPS device. It updates the way that the GPS device uses the information coming from the satellites to calculate time and distance and altitude and everything else. Because, because of solar flares and different things, you know, the, the difference in height and altitude of the satellites themselves those calculations need to be changed every now and then. So to keep everything in sync and moving like it's supposed to, in fact, the last few years, they've had to adjust the GPS system a lot because of magnetic interference from the earth. So they've had to adjust the atomic clocks 
to, you know, to make up for that difference. And whenever you update your GPS device, that takes all of that new calculation into account. So it is always a good thing to update your devices. You know, I'd say probably once a year because they I think they only update them once every year or maybe twice a year, possibly. But usually it's one major update that they do on the system a year. But there's a lot of things that we don't see that need to be updated on the backside. Like I said, at the satellite that are taken into account whenever you do updates for your actual device. It's not just the maps. They update a lot more than just that. But by getting newer maps, you do get access to newer roads that have just been built. So you do get the chance to have a much shorter ride if you need it. Or you can get away from that dreaded recalculating thing that, that always screams at you whenever you miss a turn. So update your stuff if you have the ability. <laughs> it's always a good idea. So whether you're using GPS on a fishing boat, on a cruise ship, an airplane, your car, or even your smartwatch as you're out for a run. Just remember that the GPS on that device is basically just a super accurate clock. And looking at the clock, I'm about out of time for today. And like I said at the beginning, I was somewhat knowledgeable of how GPS actually worked, but I wasn't I didn't realize how simplified it actually was until I kind of got into the research for this. And granted, it's not simple, but when you're just thinking that it's a couple of clocks and you're just figuring out time differences, it actually is fairly simple. And it's kind of a funky thing that I was not expecting at all, to be honest. Don't forget to hit up the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can check out the show prep. I got a couple of pictures and some good links on what I went over today as far as that. They do have that animation in that faa.gov link on there. So if you want to check that out, you can. Everything's right going to be right there on the site for you, right underneath the embedded player. You can peruse the rest of the website. I got a bunch of good content up there. If you're more into the security side of things, kind of like I am, then you might want to check out the Defender newsletter blog post that I do. So that's up there on the website. Also, you can check out the merch store. Just look for the store link at the very top. Or if you want to wait for that little pop up, whenever you first hit the homepage, you can check that out. Remember, classic T-shirts are on sale right now for $17.99. So you can get for, get one for under 18 bucks and you can pick out any design that you like. And there's four or five different designs. I'm actually, I'm wearing a one of the t-shirts right now. I got the blue fiber one on right now. So very cool and actually very comfortable, to be honest. I was pleasantly surprised how comfortable the shirt actually is. So pick one of those up if you don't mind. It helps me out on doing all my builds and different things like that. Again, you can find me just about anywhere you can find podcasts. So you can, if I'm missing somewhere that you listen to, shoot me an email, downsouthit at gmail.com. I will try to do my best to get the podcast up on that platform because I want everybody to be able to listen. So if I'm missing a platform that you use, let me know. I will do my best to get it up there for you. Um, most of them, I'm pretty sure everybody, I have it on just about everywhere that most people listen to right now. But if there's an odd one, just let me know. I will take care of it for you or at least do my best to get it up there for you. And like I like to end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, Technology can replace the work of many people. 
but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. I love you. I'll see you right here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.